This is the House of Pop Culture. I am Anthony Donovan. Durwood Murray. Amy Meredith. And Joe Reese. And for the next hour or so, we're going to be talking to your face about all things pop culture related. Now, obviously, we would not be here doing this today if we didn't love pop culture and it wasn't such a huge part of all of our lives. Really? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we I do? assume so. I mean, unless y'all got better shit to do. I don't know. <laughs> all right. Uh, okay, bye. <laughs> Thanks. Bye, I mean, Joe. some of us got kids, but that didn't count, right? Uh-huh. All right. Well, Joe's left the podcast. We have a slot open. Somebody go get Starkey out of the box. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't leave. <laughs> okay. But pop culture resonates a lot with us and in our lives. And I think that we have a lot of defining moments that have really affected us personally, uh, not only as artists and podcasters, but as people. And that's what tonight's show is about. We are talking about pop culture moments that changed our lives. Or influenced or inspired us. Right. Oh, okay. Because this was a hard topic for all of us to get our heads around, even though we chose it. <laughs> Sounds like us. I think it's we were drinking we when do. we chose the topics. <laughs> Entirely possible. Or we weren't drinking and we're drinking now. I'm not sure which yeah. one it was. Although I was thinking about it when I was, uh, this weekend when I was, you know, putting my head together about all this stuff. Um, I think it's a nice companion to the uh, Fall from Grace episode because that one was kind of sad. And this one should be more uplifting, right? Like, God, this one, I hope so. Like, this one should, like, you know. So like, this sad event happened. So you want us to talk <laughs> about sexual assaults that made us happy? No. <laughs> okay. Because <laughs> Awful. Yeah. No, no, no. The good things in pop culture. See, those I'm are gonna the, have to really think about that one. Yeah, right? So, no, see, those are the bad things. Okay. Now we're gonna talk about good, happy things. Happy, happy. Seven happy. episodes later, here we go. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, guys. We didn't Sorry, we've been out. depressing you for a couple months. <laughs> yeah. But, but still keep your hands to yourself. Yes. Yeah, that, that's that, a that, good, that, good rule. Yeah. Unless Durwood. Some, unless someone says you can. Right. Then you have consent. All right. And if they say no, you change. You stop. <laughs> now that we've done our you, cha- you change your approach. What? <laughs> now that now that we've done our PSA, yes. Yes. Um, let's get on it. So yeah, let's get on. Oh it. my god, consent. <laughs> so <laughs> so I asked you guys to your homework was three. I asked Did you on the car s- here. Three things. Good job, Joe. Just like I was in high school. <laughs> <laughs> it was to choose three. Okay. So I hope everybody did their homework. Yep. Yeah. Durwood. Yes, I did. You didn't sound I, you didn't sound convincing. He's got his notes. You're ready for me to fail this, aren't you? You just All want me to here, not baby. have been prepared. Durwood, have you never heard this podcast before? <laughs> Why am I friends with you people? Because you love us. <laughs> anyway. Right. Durwood's going to go first. Can you put up with your bullshit? Uh, yeah, I can go first. Go first. Give us one. One? All right. Just one. We'll go around the table a couple times. The year was 1983. Ooh, this, oh, I already know what it is. This is like a Do book, you really? This is like yes. a book report. Go ahead. It was, was it? Uh, it was Islands in the Stream by Kenny Rogers and Dolly Parton. <laughs> oh, my say, God, no. I was going to say, was it a Super Tramp album? <laughs> no. Uh, it was the Motown 25 special. Specifically, it was seeing Michael Jackson moonwalk for the first time. Uh, and I know, look, Michael Jackson is and was Michael Jackson. However. I don't think he's Michael Jackson currently. <laughs> he's what I mean them. is, is that... Uh, it, I know what I'm about to say is celebrating Michael Jackson. It's important that we also remember everything that Michael Jackson was. That being said, um, the first time I ever saw him moonwalk on this Motown uh, 25 special was life-changing for me. It was the very first time that I ever remember being moved by art. I was viscerally affected. In my head, the literal thought that went through my mind in 1983 when I was six years old, was that motherfucker just walked on air. <laughs> I said that in my head. And I wanted to say it out loud to my parents to show them how amazing this was. All I could get out was, I was so blown away. I couldn't make words after seeing Michael Jackson do the moonwalk. I didn't know a human body could move like that. And then later in life, I found out he was Dancing. That's what dance is. Yeah. He was dancing, and that was it was unreal to He's me. A dancer, darling. And just knowing that that effect, or that art could have that kind of effect on me. Right. I think one of the biggest reasons why I decided to become an artist of any kind, I wanted to have that kind of effect on somebody else. I'll tell you, my first thought when I saw that was, I got to learn how to do that. Mm-hmm. And I remember going into dance class the next day, and all of us trying to do it mm-hmm. and seeing which one of us could get 
get it first. And and keep in mind, this was long before the internet, or even like a lot of people had VCRs, so you couldn't watch it and nope. study it all over again. You have to recreate what you thought you saw. Yeah, which led yeah. to a lot of really bad moonwalks. I'm sure a whole lot of bad moonwalks. Well, because there is the a, time, there is a oh, technique it to it. There, there there is a smoothness factor that you have to have to do it. Um. But for, for hip hop dance heads out there, it's essentially it's a glide, but it's a glide going straight backwards. Well, it's also all it's kind of hard to do. Is like I'm like trying to do it with my hands, but you can't see anything. It, it's it's like <laughs> a wave flying. motion with your feet. Yes. You, you have to have very nimble, nimble feet to make this thing happen. And when you're doing it correctly, it's like you're you're. It looks like you're floating. It's awesome. Yeah, no. which I and, I, and I he 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 was performing Billy Jean. And it was the reason why he was on this special at all is uh, they wanted him to perform with his brothers because right. it was a celebration of all things Motown. And he was like, I'll do it if I can perform my own music too. And so this was the compromise. He got to do Billie Jean and then he did the Jackson 5 medley. I So, you know what? That's a good one. Thank mm-hmm. you. I give it up to you. That's a good one. I, I appreciate uh, your... your I'll give it up to you as well. Your approval. Well, it's uh, not my approval. That changed I'm, just, my life. I'm just glad that's something that inspired you. Well, and the, the best part about that performance is that it finally cleared up the long-held public notion that Billie Jean was, in fact, his lover. <laughs> <laughs> it's good he was able to get that corrected. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. I lost money on it. <laughs> Joe, what have you got? So mine wasn't my first one. I was mine. I'll probably just go chronological when it affected me. Um, and it wasn't necessarily when this movie came out. It was many years later because when the movie came out, I was only one or so. But in junior high-ish, Xanadu. Yes, <laughs> I fucking love Xanadu. My, I do too. Um, my dad forced me to watch. Blues Brothers, and for so, which I love that you said forced. Knowing you to how watch. much you love that yeah. movie, that well, that's, that's, is that's why I make say I say it because I like I think it was on once, and to be honest, the beginning kind of starts out a little slow, especially yeah. like if you're like 13 years old, you're like, "Well, this bullshit." <laughs> and I probably didn't even think that, but you know, like, um, and so, but then sitting through and watching it, and I think it just and it stayed with me, and then fostered my love of Belushi and then just at that time VH1 aired all like all the old episodes of SNL like the original cast it was like little half hour snippets of it but I just got hooked on that and it just led to it and now you know the the beloved um, fat or dead um, <laughs> which is became when we watched Blues Brothers because the first like, time I saw it yeah and yeah it was the credits are all the people that are in it and you go through, then they're either fat, fat or, or dead. dead. <laughs> yeah, seriously, no, listeners, go to IMDb, pull up the cast list for the Blues Brothers, and play fat or dead at home. Some are both. Game. Yeah, and and it's sadly the the latter one's getting more and more. We're horrible people. Yeah, yeah that balance is but, shifting. Yeah, but it is, and so much so, like my in in high school. Um, my senior year, I dressed up at me and our fr- our friend Jim. We dressed up as the Blues Brothers for Halloween at school, and then um, yeah, that next year was when Blues Brothers 2000 came out. I was going to ask you your feelings I on Blues Brothers too. Of a, my brother and a bunch of his friends to see, it, and I dressed up as a Blues Brother to see it opening <laughs> night. Door, damn fucking right. <laughs> And I would have thought for sure you would have dressed as Erica Badu. <laughs> you know, I couldn't find the outfit in my size. That's but never I, stopped you. Before. I will say, like the problem with Blues Brothers 2000 is it had a lot of great in jokes from the original movie. But if you got the in jokes from the original movie, it didn't compare. Right. Yeah. But if you had never yeah. seen the original movie, because some of the people I went with had never like seen it, me. They're like, oh. you know, they they're like, oh, I don't get these jokes because Amy but they helped them. me yeah. when we yeah. saw it. She, she and, but me I in. will say, the music in that movie is fucking amazing. The choreography in the second yeah. one is also really nice, and especially when they had the big ass band they're competing against. Yes. It. Oh yeah. yeah, I just I hate that that was somebody's first experience with the Blues Brothers. Those Blues yeah. Brothers two thousand, and then um, and to me by far the best SNL sketch turned movie. Hands Next down. to its Pat. Mm. 
They're yeah. neck and neck. You know yeah. what? There's a strong case to be made for that. I would put Wayne's World right up there with Wayne's, it. But Wayne, Wayne's World is the argument. Yes. Blues World Brothers and Wayne's World are the two. Yeah. But I think the fact that Wayne's World was kind of a full form sketch. Blues Brothers was a musical act. Like right. there was yeah. nothing yeah. That's really there. Good point. That's a good yeah. point. And I mean, the they built a story involved, around it, and yeah. it worked. And I also down years years later when House of Blues opened here, the for opening like the open, official opening night was. Um, Jim Belushi mm. and Dan Aykroyd and John Goodman performing as the Blues Brothers. Right. And that was pretty sweet and w- went and saw it and that was a lot of fun. But That's yeah, cool. Blues Brothers was definitely one. <laughs> um, My first one would have to be, and I know this is going to sound weird because I'm doing like an entire body of work because it's just the man himself that inspires me, is Bob Fosse. Oh, okay. Yeah, 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 no, yeah, yeah. Um, All right, yeah, yeah. Fossey, Fossey, Fossey. Thank you. If you know Amy, this needs no explanation. Well, here's, but here is my explanation for it. Because, because we're on a podcast. Right. He's going to. I'm going because to. Because otherwise it would be a boring ass well, podcast. Because some people may not know, they may know his name. Like, you know the Fossey style. Last you know, name you, Bear. You know Chicago. <laughs> you know those kind of things. Right. What you may not know was that he started out as a dancer. He, he starred in several movies himself. Mm-hmm. But... I always kind of identified with him because I grew up as a dancer. I was not the best dancer. I was a solid dancer. I was a dancer you could depend solid on, but I was not the best dancer. You've told me otherwise. That's not true. I'm, the, I'm one of the best tap dancers you've ever seen. She was oh, a good okay. niche dancer. Fair but enough. In the other ones, I was. you could put me in a core and know that you could depend on me. Gotcha. I would always perform well for you. Um, and that was Bob Fosse. So he decided to become a choreographer because he wanted to choreograph what he wanted to do right and make it his own style so the fossey style was built around everything he did well mm. right so he must have been really good at sex from what i understand but like his use of hats <laughs> a little too good yeah. from what we understand but like his use of hats <laughs> he wore hats because he was losing his hair he liked gloves because he thought his hands were too small and the gloves made his hands look a little bit bigger and expressive. Wait a minute. What? He liked hats. Yep. He liked gloves. Yeah. Go on. What the? <laughs> he I had mean, two of them. Yeah. <laughs> oh, okay. I just, I, I think it's interesting that you bring up Bob Fosse and you mentioned those things because uh, I mentioned Michael Jackson performing Billie Jean right. on uh, Motown 25. Yeah. Uh, essentially... For the most part, stolen Bob Fosse. Oh, those, those isolations? Well, oh, yeah. yeah. And that's the thing. There are so many things that you can link back to Bob Fosse. Mm-hmm. Yes. More there, than you realize. More than you realize um, that you can link back to Bob Fosse. And that's why I was like, when I was like, I want to choreograph. Because I always wanted to choreograph. I always wanted to be a teacher. For some reason, I've always been a bit of those, I would rather just be in charge kind of people. You're kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Shocking. So... He was a big inspiration to me that you didn't have to be the greatest dancer, but if you could develop your own style, and people now will tell you they can pinpoint my work. And that is the biggest compliment in the world to me, is for someone to say, I knew you did that without having me to tell them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so Bob Fosse is it for me. Mm-hmm. Go, Anthony. Okay, um, well, uh, for me, it is, it is also a movie uh, from the 80s. And just to give you a little background. Howard the Duck. (laughs) (laughs) Although Howard the Duck did give me one of my favorite movie quotes. Where the hell are my pants? He says it to this day. All the time. All the time. uh, It was not Howard the Duck. Uh, When I was two years old, uh, I don't remember this, but my mom always told me the story. Uh, I, my mom, my dad was a band leader and he had a 50s and 60s group. And my mom, at night, when they would play gigs, would type out the lyrics to their songs because there wasn't no Google back then. And she'd have to play the songs with her typewriter. And she had a stack of typewriter paper, and I would sit next to her and like on a little phone book or something, and I started drawing on the typewriter paper. And she noticed pretty quickly that I had some artistic skill for a child that small. So I... Uh, started to continue doing that and I've been drawing ever since and I am a professional artist and a cartoonist to this day Uh, it's something I've done most of my life and of course my biggest influence has always been Disney Uh, one of the things about Walt Disney in particular he drove the medium so far because he was so obsessed with taking what we already knew and pushing it to the next level finding a new technology finding a new way to make it more realistic to make it smoother to make it better And when he passed away in 1966, a lot of those innovations kind of stalled. 
animation was done a certain way, and that's just kind of how they did it until this movie came out. And I was 13 years old sitting with my best friend Ed at Showcase Cinema in Warwick, Rhode Island to watch Who Framed Roger Rabbit. Oh. Mm -hmm. And I have never in my life been so galvanized by what I saw on a screen because it was traditional animation mixed with live action, which was nothing new at that time, but they took it a bit further. They they did it the traditional animation way, but then Industrial Light and Magic came in and gave it dimension. They gave it special effects, and computers hadn't really been used that way in animation before. And they went, they used puppetry and different kind of practical effects to make sure that the movie was as realistic as possible. And it was, like I said, it was the first time that something like that had furthered the art form since we lost Walt Disney. Uh, and the fact that I, this happened in my lifetime and I was already a sketch artist at that time and obsessed with Disney and this movie rocked my fucking world. <laughs> Because I had nobody had ever seen anything like it, no. and it was it, it spoke to me so strongly and inspired me so much. It changed the whole way I made cartoons. Because after that, I became completely obsessed with dimension and movement and taking a drawing and giving it life. Uh, and it really it, it changed my whole approach. And I still to this day will watch the movie and be amazed. It's a thirty year old movie. And I still oh, am inspired by it. That movie holds up. Yes, yeah. it does. That and, it's, and it's a great movie, movie aside is, from all of that. I fucking love but it, that yeah. movie. I'm sorry. The dip still scares me. Yeah. yeah. Like, it, that part still scares like it, me. It changed me I as an artist. I can't see Bob Hoskins in anything else, right. even in Hook. And, well, you but can't I see him in anything now. Yeah. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> oh, right. We're being cheery. We're being cheery. Yeah, cheery. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, But, yeah, no, Who Framed Roger Rabbit was such a galvanizing experience for me, and it was... Uh, it's rare to have something have that profound of an effect on you at age 13 and all these years later still just as much I my my biggest regret is that Walt Disney never lived to see that movie because he he'd yeah. have made that movie he'd have made yeah. that movie 10 years before it was made yeah good call mm-hmm. that's also one of those movies that if it's on and I'm home I'm gonna watch it oh yeah no and doubt. I forget yeah. how much awesome is in that movie cause oh yeah the parts that I remember in my head I'm like oh yeah I love that movie then you're like I completely forgot about this part. Oh my god, this is amazing! Yeah. I don't think I've sat down and watched it from start to finish. Well, and let's let's talk about animated films for a second because you know, considering that your your animated films now mostly you're non Disney, but even Disney to some extent rely on the star power of their voice talent. Yes, literally nobody knew who Charles Fleischer was right when this movie got yeah. made, yeah. and he was yeah. the and he was the voice of the main character. Mm-hmm. And you know the the fact that they. You know, and Bob Hoskins also not an easily recognizable. Yeah, he, he wasn't he, famous in the states. Yeah, he, no. yeah, he, yeah, he was not. He was a that guy at best. You know, and and yeah. you know, Joanna Cassidy before she became a household name. Just kidding. Uh, <laughs> hey, I know who she is. <laughs> well, yes, but uh, you know, they didn't. I mean, Christopher Lloyd's the closest you have to a right, big name. right. The, 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 but he's like the supporting guy. Yeah, and, and he's so done up. You're like. Oh, that's Christopher yeah. Lloyd. Well, Kathleen Turner wasn't even credited as the voice of Jessica Rabbit. Really? Yeah. No, she she was not credited. And Amy Irving was actually the singing, singing voice, voice of Jessica Rabbit, and neither of them received screen credit for it. Mm. Because Amy Irving was married to uh, Steven Spielberg at the time. Oh. So that's kind of how that, that all worked out. All right. Yeah. Cool. But yeah, so yeah, Who Framed Roger Rabbit was 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 a big one for me. Good well, choice. I think I, with, with the, the whole naming, how relying on names and stuff, that's one thing I will say for the most part about what Pixar has going for it is they don't really rely. I mean, yep. Toy Story, they relied on Tom Hanks because it was their first one. Tom but, Hanks But they don't promote it that way. I yeah. always tell him, I never trust an animated film when we see the trailer and they have to start with starring the voices of. I never, I instantly yeah. don't trust it. Because, like, I mean, looking at, I mean, Incredibles 2 just came out, Incredibles. It's like Craig T. Nelson and Holly Hunter, <laughs> uh-huh. who <laughs> both amazing actors. I can't wait to see it. I haven't seen but, it yet. Not what you're going to drive a multi-million dollar no. summer They are not 2018 movie stars. No. Yeah, no. All right. Good round, guys. Hmm. Durwood. Okay. So, Anthony, you mentioned a movie from the 80s, and I thought you were going to mention another movie that came out in uh, the 80s that we both I'm going to be love. so mad if you pick this one, because then I've lost one of mine. Yeah. Uh, sorry to do this to you, dude. Uh, but it, it has had such a profound effect on my life, uh, my career in comedy. I love I'm talking you- about... I'm talking about Airplane, the movie Airplane. That wasn't my movie. Oh, <laughs> I'm shocked. Frankly, I'm disappointed. Uh, it's the Karate Kid, isn't it? Anyway, um, part so, two. 
I thought it was gonna be still Magnolias. <laughs> the first, the first time I saw Airplane, uh, Airplane came out in 1980. Greatest comedy of all time. It, it is easily, and I didn't see it until 1993. Dude, um, yeah, I was watching The Naked Gun. Uh, and my stepdad walked by and is like, you like that movie? And I was like, I love this movie. He's like, you must really like Airplane too, huh? And I was like, what's Airplane? I don't know. I've never seen Airplane 1. Ha! <laughs> <laughs> and, di- and did he say, it's kind of like a giant Tylenol with wings. <laughs> <laughs> no, what he said was. He missed an opportunity. You need to see Airplane. And I was just like. And he was correct. If you say so. And he was correct. It happened to come on cable the next week. And I sat down and I watched him from beginning to end. And was I had no idea that comedy could be like this. I didn't even really even after seeing the Naked Gun beforehand, this was still a step further. When it, the I know it was parody, but it was so so much more than that. I mean, it was so many different. Kinds I've of still never genres. seen Airport 1975. Yeah, exactly. Oh, yeah. You don't uh, need it's, to. It's although it makes that move. It it shows the genius. Oh yeah, it and does. I because. One of my big issues with a lot of spoof movies nowadays is it's like, here's a scene from a very popular movie. We're going to do basically do that scene, but a little bit, quote unquote, funny. Yeah. Um, where with Airplane, I was like, oh, my God, this is just hilarious and out there. And then you watch these, like, all the different air, airport movies and, other, and you're like, literally kid in a medical bed. <laughs> With a nun on the plane, <laughs> yes. like this is like it's like sold, and it's like one of those things. It's like oh my god, these are like real scenes. They're doing what people are doing now, but the thing is, they it's did so it so better. well, and it wasn't like they took. I mean, their pro movies were big, but they weren't like huge movies. So it was like it wasn't. And it's, you it's may just not have overshed- known the source yeah. material, but you didn't need to. No, because they did it yeah. well, and so many great gags when he. When he says, and that's when my drinking problem started, <laughs> and you see what that it come on, who thinks that way? I've, that was that was what I came away from that movie was. It was who thinks that way. I have to change the way that I think when I do comedy now, and it's it that's how I think about w- right. when I'm writing comedy. That, that movie forged my what, love of silly. Yeah, exactly. Whenever I've been, I've I've wanted to do the the drinking problem bit. But every opportunity comes up, I'm drinking something that would make me completely sticky. <laughs> and in a place, and I'm like, I no, I can't, I can't do it. Gotta well, suffer for that art. What I love is that there were so many well respected actors in that, like serious actors were in that movie. Well, you know, except for uh, the basketball guy, what's his name? Kareem, Kareem. Abdul-Jabbar. Yeah. But he's one the of the basketball fun- guy. <laughs> he's the basketball yeah. well, guy. In yeah, it. I mean that's the thing. Leslie Nielsen was a serious movie actor. Yeah. I yes. Robert Stack was yeah. a serious Lloyd, movie actor. Lloyd Bridges was, yes. you know. Stephen Stucker. No. <laughs> and then, I mean, granted, Lloyd Bridges and um, Leslie Nielsen then basically just went down the, hey, we're, we're silly old people. That's pretty – I'm, I'm going to gather that's why Robert Stack agreed to host Unsolved Mysteries, so people would stop laughing at him. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I lo- now, I'm just saying Robert I'm... Stack taking off those sunglasses, and there's still a pair of sunglasses underneath Now it. I want to watch Airplane. And Who Framed Roger Rabbit. This is going to make me want to watch stuff after this. Okay. All right. I'm cool with that. But yeah, Airplane, it's a constant influence on me to this day. That's so awesome. Likewise. Go, Joe. So my next one was in 93 or 94. I was in high school, freshman year of high school. World history. My, um, for some reason, I don't know why, my teacher, Mr. Trotter, he decided he would show us a movie. We were studying world history. He decided to show us Monty Python and the Holy Grail. Yes. And that was the first time I ever saw anything Monty Python. Oh, <laughs> my God. It opened my eyes to something. What does that something. have to do with world history? It, uh, it's historic, and it, it is. is in the no-, no, don't get me wrong. It's right up there with Airplane as the greatest comedy of all time. I was expecting time. you to say History of the World Part I was, one. too. No, no, I, no. I knew where he was going because I had a similar experience with yeah, this. And, but yeah, no, it's... And I love History of the World Part 1, but as I mean... everyone should. Yeah, yeah. but Holy Grail... Is the Holy, Holy Grail. Grail. <laughs> yes. And it, it, it just... I had no idea. I don't think I really had seen much in the way British comedy. No. And I mean, that was my freshman year by my... My senior year, I had, like, the entire um, box set of all of um, Flying Circus. I knew the movie backwards and forwards because that's what you do. 
And just every time, it's just amazing. And the fact that I saw it as a freshman in high school. Also that year, same year in my English class, we had been studying Frankenstein. And we watched, my, we had a student teacher and he showed us parts of Young Frankenstein. <laughs> We've so, had the same teachers, and so which God, was I wish great. I had gone to this yeah, school. Which going to a Catholic high school is funny that I got to watch either one of these my freshman year. <laughs> yeah, but the fact that that was also—I mean, I knew Gene Wilder because I had seen Blazing Saddles and obviously Wonka, but seeing him as Froderick was another one. But yeah, Holy Grail was just no. I, I had a similar experience. I, I had a teacher uh, my senior year in high school. Actually, we did a un- unit on King Arthur. And the Knights of the Round Table. Yeah, unit. And, <laughs> and to finish it off, Arthur. she showed us she showed us Monty Python and the Holy Grail. Up to that point, my experience with British humor had been uh, Benny Hill <laughs> and a few episodes of Flying Circus, which I actually did not enjoy. I saw this movie and it changed my mind about British uh, humor. I went back and I started watching more of Flying Circus and I was just like, oh wait, this shit is actually funny. Um, yeah, again... Uh, not as big of an effect as Airplane had, but Monty Python and the Holy Grail. Um, the Lancelot scene and when he's coming and he keeps on going. Yeah, and he... Ha-ha! Just, oh, man, that shit. No, Watch that movie it's again. It's the tower scene with the French guys that yeah. gets me every damn okay, time. That, that's, that's so good when too. we when um, in my old office, I had... My, my desk was on the second floor the and I had cow. a window. The cow! And people, people would come up ever. and I sometimes I'm like... Now go away or I'll talk to you a second time. Um, so years later when Spamalot came out. The, I love Spamalot um, the, as well. The musical. Um, Nicole and our friend Amy Berner, who's been on the show, and I, we went out to Chicago for the first preview of Spamalot in Chicago. And a bunch of my family came and went. We saw it. And then that next summer we went to New York and I got to see it on Broadway. And they cut a few things from when it was in Chicago. It was pretty amazing. It got me... Um, as they were walking out, I saw and got um, Eric Idle, uh, Tim Curry, and Mike Nichols' autograph on the poster. It was pretty cool. Nice. Years later, when the tour's going around and it made its debut in L.A. at the Amundsen, I went to opening night. And I got into the party. And I actually got to hang out with Eric Idle for a bit. And you it was like one of those things. Like, I hope you're going to tell my favorite part of the story. What is my, your favorite part of the story? The other celebrity you met. Oh, yes. <laughs> Sorry, I forgot. So, so, yeah, so I'm sitting there and with a couple of coworkers, um, colleagues, and we're hanging around. And it's at on the roof of the Standard Hotel in, um, in downtown Los Angeles. And so we're hanging out there, and this woman comes up, and it's Joanne Worley. And, shit. Yeah. And so I – and she's talking to him because they know each other and all that. And so um, – and he introduces me to her. I'm, I'm, I just want to let you know, my friend Anthony is a huge fan. Not as big as me, and I'm a huge fan too. But he's like, well, of course you are. And she jiggles my belly and does the Joanne Worley laugh. Oh, my God. That was one of the greatest experiences of my life. That's you like getting, never told me about this. That is like getting a blessing from the Pope. Oh, my God. And I got a picture. Oh, my God. It was an amazing experience. I like, it, there are very few people that can get away with that. Yep. And- yeah. Yeah. Joanne really can do what she wants to me. Yeah, and, but it was it was great. Like, although I mean, there I only got one picture technically with Eric Idle because they t- I, it was he was dancing with the woman who was playing the Lady of the Lake, and you can see between them dancing, me talking to someone. So we're technically in the same picture, but um, we were talking because um, this guy who was um, a colleague of mine, he was he had been working on a book with him, and so that's how I. Um, and then cool. we just hung around for a bit and we were just talking. I'm like, this is really cool. You're one of my idols. And I don't no mean pun intended. That. Yeah, I'm right. like, I can't, don't know how else to say that without it sounding like a pun, but it's not. That's so cool. And yeah, so. Now I have Joanne Worley's laugh in my head. <laughs> it's a good laugh. Okay. Google uh, it if you don't know what her laugh sounds like. You should. And then you should watch Laugh In. Yes, watch Laugh In. Um, so my second one is a two parter. Cause it, Is that it's, legal? Yes, because it's the same thing, but it inspired me in two different ways. The All right. F- okay, that's fair. It is Anne Rice's interview with a vampire. So Do tell. When I first read the book, I was in high school, and of course, it as all teenage girls do when they first read this book, or I'm sure teenage boys as well, you think you're the first person to discover it. Like, oh, I, you know... 
I've read this amazing book about vampires and it's elevated, you know, all about vampires. And it does. How far we fall. I know. <laughs> and, but that book kind of like, because if anyone knows me, I am a huge reader. Yeah. I am con, I always have a book that I am How reading. How many books a year do you read, Amy? Anywhere between 70 and 80 books a year. Um, Not even kidding. No. I haven't and, read that many in my lifetime. <laughs> Um, but that started me on the path to loving paranormal books. I, I love the paranormal genre, and I love, especially love vampires. Vampire the, as a genre is my favorite reading genre, and hers is to me the gold standard. Um, right with Bram Stoker because I, I Bram Stoker and I actually share a birthday, so that always makes me feel a little special because I They're love Anne Rice. And then I got you Anne Rice for your birthday. You did get me Anne Rice <laughs> for my birthday one year. She was signing books and he surprised me by taking me to the book signing. Aww. And I, I literally had to hold back tears. Like, it was, I was hilarious. I normally do not get like tongue twisted around celebrities and stuff, but I did around her. She was like the first one that I was literally like, know what to say to you just sign my book and please <laughs> she, she, she sounded like a little kid and she was like it's very nice to meet you yeah um i i've been to several signings since and i hold i hold it together much better now basically because my friend suzanne usually goes with me and she's way more goofy than i am for some reason when it comes to Anne rice i love you suzanne um <laughs> but and she but you know it um so Anne Rice, yeah, it influenced me on my love of reading, on my love of the genre of vampires. The second part is when the movie came out. Oh. When the movie was announced, and it was announced that Tom Cruise... Scandal. ...was going to play Lestat, people lost their shit. Yep. And just... And admit it, you you were probably one of them. I was, and I was one of them. Just lost their shit that he was going to ruin this whole thing, that was going to be awful, and... Anne Rice herself was not very happy about it. But then she got to see it early, and she wrote a huge letter. I don't remember which newspaper it was published in, saying... You mean she didn't write a blog about it? No. <laughs> not at the time. Um, basically saying That was blogging yeah, in 1993. Basically saying, everybody calm down. I have seen it. I think it's good. Um, I think you're all going to be happy. And then I saw it on the opening and it was amazing that movie is brilliant it is so good and tom cruise is so good as lestat so the second lesson that i learned from that was this and anthony loves to say this a lot your fandom owes you nothing yep Uh. just because you love something and you think it's yours, it's not. Looking at you, Star Wars <laughs> fanboys. Yes. No, and that's true. And that's the thing. Just because mm-hmm. you love something does not mean you own it. Someone mm-hmm. else gets to do things with it as well. And you well, may like it. Shout out to Kelly Marie Tran. Right? You may love it like we did with Interview with Vampires yep. fans. You may hate it like we hated Queen of the Damned as fans. Because <laughs> that movie was horrible. Rest but that wasn't necessarily right. about... The casting right, that just, was it about was, it was all over. It was just a bad, just a bad thing, yeah. yeah, but that's the point. Your fandom owes you nothing, and that was the lesson I took away yeah. from that. Was that sometimes you have to trust the people to do what they're going to do with the thing you love. Or how about wait till you fucking see and that's it the other to thing. pass judgment. Well, that's that's, that's right. what I, I, I refer to that as the the ledger rule. Because oh, yeah. when, when he Heath was... Ledger was cast as the Joker, right. the shitstorm that came up for that and the amount of people that probably afterwards were like, oh, no, I knew he'd always be good. It's like, bullshit. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, you did not. Like, because they, they did this. Actually, they did the same thing with Chris, Christian Bale when I said Christian Borel. And I'm all like, that was a <laughs> Could you imagine? Oh, my God. Christian Borel as Batman? No. Um, That'd be fucking awesome. Yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, having um, they they did that with most geek casting. You're like, unless it's like perfect, you know, like when you know Robert Downey Jr. gets cast as Iron Man. Right. Okay, that's perfect casting. Right. But you know, you rarely get that, and everyone's like, "Who the Iron fuck is that man?" But that that's what I took away from that was that sometimes you can love something, and something separate can come. It doesn't diminish my love for that novel. You know, Queen of the Damned is probably one of my favorites in her series of vampires. And that movie is so absolutely shitty. You know, since we're so reboot happy in Hollywood, yeah. how about it? Well, they're supposed to be doing a TV series, which I'm very... Because it's going to be on cable, which, you know, filth. Yay. Yeah. <laughs> Nudity. 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 But that's my point, Nudity. though, Nudity. is that 
just because that movie was shitty, it does not diminish my love of Anne Rice. It right. doesn't diminish my love of the book. I it can didn't t- ruin your childhood? No, it did not ruin my childhood. You didn't send Aaliyah death threats? No. Just kidding. Oh. Oh, now we've crossed a line. <laughs> <laughs> so, that yeah. wasn't crossing a line. That was just... That was my. I'm, I'm groaning that I didn't think of the. Joke that would first. be my second one. So okay, go Anthony. All right. Well, I'm gonna go in a slightly different direction as well. Um, this South. is for me. Uh, we're we're gonna we're gonna move out of the '80s, uh, and my moment is from 1996. Uh, and I don't even know what this year is, so I, is... I can't. <laughs> 1996. Okay. This okay. is from the television broadcast of the Tony Awards. Huh. Because oh, okay. Joe, Joe's cataloging. Was, because that was the year that I saw the, Joe's Cafe. the first performance of Rent. Uh, and I was with you. That was that was a complete game changer for me, and here's why. Um, I had always enjoyed musical theater to a certain point, but pre-Rent, musical theater was a little more on the cheesy side. It was your classic stuff from. The you know the elder musicals, your My Fair Ladies and your Fiddler on the Roof and uh, you know all these other shows, and in the eighties and the seventies, like they were very either painfully dated of their time or they were cheesy, and Rent was such a game changer because it spoke to my generation, it was contemporary and it was unironically cool. Yeah. Um. Yeah. These people were young. It was edgy um it was were they young well then they were uh you know and it it really you know rent in my opinion oftentimes doesn't get the credit it deserves for revitalizing broadway oh absolutely yeah yeah. because from that point on you know broadway became vital again we had you know we had more chances being taken uh, you know, even some cast members in Rent, uh, Gwen Stewart, who was in it, she had done a couple of shows, and she honestly thought when they were workshopping that show that it was never going to go to Broadway. She she actually said, she's like, I don't think they're going to accept this on The Great White Way. Shows like this don't get produced for a mass audience, and when it did, it blew the fucking doors off. Yeah. And, you know, so I, many shows stood on the shoulders of Rent. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, I got I, um, Jeffrey Seller, who mm-hmm. did the... Um, Who's the producer, and then obviously producer of um, Hamilton later on, but he was at uh, I was at a conference, and he was talking, and then he was talking about getting to go into the box office and see all the ticketing stuff happen mm-hmm. when stuff went on sale and watching it. He's like, it was mind blowing. Like he, they didn't expect this. It, it became like concert tickets, yeah. like a, yeah. a box office yeah, movie. Yeah, it became yeah, it was like a, a concert on sale, which they didn't ever really have, and it was. Mm-hmm. Bringing that young audience into musical theater, where yeah. it it became cool to like Broadway again, yeah. right? Uh, you know, to a point, <laughs> but uh, but you know, for me, and and I remember because I I did not do a lot of theater when I was a kid, but I was twenty one when I saw Rent uh, on the Tonys for the first time, and I was just like. I want to do that. Like, I want to, you know, I don't want to be in fucking Phantom of the Opera or Starlight Express. I want to do that show. I want to make that kind of art on stage. And, you know, because of that. Starlight Express is underrated. Starlight Express is bullshit. (laughs) Right. But also me. (laughs) So I, uh, you know, and and because of that, that made me want to get back on stage. And now because of that, I've gotten to do edgier shows like Spring Awakening, like Next to Normal, yes. you know, like Avenue Q. And yeah, for, and for me, it, it, Rent rejuvenated my love of that genre. What number did they perform on the Tonys that year? It was uh, Seasons of Love into La Vie Bohème. <sighs> but see, I remember that year too because that was also the year of Bringing the Noise, Bringing the Funk. Yep. Ah. Uh... Yeah, which again, both of those Tony performances... Yeah, yeah, totally changed everything. Well, oh, no. and also that that also started it, it opened a door for Broadway stars to become mainstream famous. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. That's how you get an Adina Menzel, a, a Kristen Chenoweth, uh, you know, Neil Patrick Harris even coming in and doing both, and that revitalized his whole career and that kind of thing. And yeah, before Stella got nice. her groove back, Tay Diggs was in Rent. Yep. Mm-hmm. Which I, I, I will say, I, I didn't see Rent until probably mid-2000s. Um, my wife is a huge Rent head. Mm-hmm. used to camp out to get the rush tickets and all that. And um, I didn't see it until I was much, I was probably in my mid to late 20s. 
And while I knew the music backwards and forwards, and mm-hmm. I and I love the show, and I enjoy the show, but also by the time seeing it, and also it was a it decade later, it was made later. into a just kind of I movie. Yeah, and but, but it so, didn't diminish your love of the original, yeah, not at all. <laughs> but it was like you know a decade after the they came out, and then by that point, a lot of edgy stuff had come out, right? And you know, and at one point, I was just kind of sitting there afterwards. I'm like. I think I'm getting old. I side with Benny. <laughs> Pay your fucking rent. Just seriously, you're living in a fucking office uh, empty well, building yes. in New York fucking city. Just pay the man his rent. He's Get letting you job. live there. Get a job. It's okay. It'll be okay. Okay, you people dying. Okay, that sucks, really. It but does. if I get paid to do what I love, then I'm selling out. Shut up, Mark. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, no, no. Give get, me a fucking job. Yeah. Get paid to do what you love. That's not selling out. That's called earning an income and doing what you love. You guys are old. Living the dream. You guys are old. Goddamn right. And you know what? You know what's great about being old? (laughs) Paying your fucking bills on time. Yeah. Oh, such a great feeling. I didn't know how good life could be. Up until this year, right? Pretty much. (laughs) (laughs) I used to work at Macy's. Life begins at 40. I have a real job now. Damn it, Durwood. Macy's is not going to sponsor us now. Good. Fuck Macy's. <laughs> I said it. Fuck All Macy's. Right. Here we go. Okay. Right. Last round. Let's let's do it. Let's do it. Oh, shit. All right. Now the I gotta try and do this without countdown. without crying. Oh, uh, need tissue. Uh, possibly. So I can't take it when you're uh, crying. <laughs> 2018. Saved by the Bell. Uh, we had quite possibly the greatest Black History Month that I've ever experienced in my life, because that was the month that uh, saw the release of Black Panther. Um, you're killing me, Derwood. I'm very sorry, but I can remember being the kid playing with uh, other kids, and we're being superheroes, and everybody's like, "I'm Superman." And oh I'm- my god, you bastard! How can you do this to us? <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! It was, you know, I would have liked to have had somebody who kind of looked like me, and um, <laughs> damn Derwood. I'm sorry, goddamn it, but hey, it it had an effect, a real effect and it really it's this is some real shit here oh my god and uh <laughs> i have uh two nephews and a niece i can't look at him <laughs> <laughs> i like that you're all turned away you're all a bunch of pansies do it do what i got you right I, here <laughs> i have two nephews and a niece and to know that they'll never have to <laughs> fucking killing me. sorry they'll never have to worry about that ever again this is normal for them to see themselves on screen in positions of power and to see their heritage in such a beautiful portrayal was truly life-changing. Somebody please say something funny right now. God damn it, I told people this was going to be uplifting and funny! <laughs> this is, this is, god damn it, it is! I know! Oh my god, it is! This, this part's not funny, but it's got the uplifting part. I went and, to the, yeah, I no, went to the opening it. and I saw so many black people in costume mm. Wearing dashikis. Why did we let him go first? Although I do love Walk. all the pictures that people dressed as people from coming from coming to America. That, because that was awesome. yeah, I'm all like, that is effing brilliant, people. Because sadly, that's one of the few. Things. And on top of all of that, the movie was fucking amazing. Oh, so oh, good, God, so, so good. good. And not just if you're black. No, yeah, no, no. Not just if you like comic books. It was just a damn good movie. Mm-hmm. Fucking amazing movie. And to know that we are in a place where that can actually happen. It can be accept- it can be made and accepted and yep. and make money. So much money. And yeah. I can Which means it will be supported. Yes. Right. Mm-hmm. And I can feel nothing but pride yeah. for that yep. movie. Oh, yeah. goddamn it, Durwood! Yeah, well, you asked for it. My, my. <laughs> Why did we let him go first? We should have let him go my, last. My, my, my favorite joke, though, of all that was that um, having um, Martin Freeman and Andy Serkis as the 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 Tolkien white guys. <laughs> the Tolkien white guys, yes, that was great. Since they're both in. Um, I always Hollywood. butcher her name, but um, okay, 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 Um. She's fucking badass. Uh, the the whole time I saw that, I'm like, um, can I please have this movie? Yes, because yes, yeah, strong and, black women. And the people. the wonderful part is that like the for the first time you got to see, even though Wakanda is a fictitious place, you got to see an African culture that hadn't been. 
colonized and go so far beyond like technologically culturally it was it was like completely un it was unblemished absolutely and yeah. it was amazing and it's it's an inspiration for black people that this is what we can work we can build a wakanda for ourselves here yeah. up until this point the closest we had to that was atlanta and so <laughs> atlanta forever <laughs> so just knowing that this is that the thought that this is what our look we we haven't had much to look forward to in media and in pop culture yeah you know um Star Trek, it was a horror, and that was about it, right? Yeah. So our future never really looked bright. Right. Uh, but seeing what possibly could be, even though this is just from somebody's imagination, I don't give a fuck. Um, this is something we can build towards and work towards. And, yeah, I'm very happy that this is in our lives. I'm very, I feel privileged and honored that this is in my lifetime. I think about generations before me who didn't get to see this. Um I'm gonna give you a hug after this is over. <laughs> Thank you. Um, but yeah, I'm gonna again, give you a hand my 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 two nephews and my niece. This is just normal for them. Well, what I love, especially for your niece, is that not only do you get to see as just in the cultural aspect, but the women are so fucking badass. Yeah, yeah. These are strong women, smart women. Yeah. Yes. Well, yes. my my favorite my favorite line in that movie. And it is just the most, it's such a short bit and it's just one quick line, but it speaks so much to what the movie embodies is when they're in the car and they're getting shot at and she goes, guns, how primitive. <laughs> I was just like, <gasps> yes. Yeah, I want to like jump up and cheer at that part. Also, Chadwick Boseman can get it. Yeah, he can. Yes, he uh, can. If we're talking about people who can get it, and Michael this may be Jordan. just a straight man's opinion, but yeah, Michael B. Jordan, damn, yeah. if yeah. I look like that, yeah. I'd never I, wear I a love, shirt. I love, yeah. um, I love the story of the girl that broke her retainer because what? she was... So, okay, so there's a story. This orthodontist, um, he he tweeted out this, this story about how a girl came in and she had to get her um, retainer... Um, fixed because she broke it because when he came in with his shirt off she clenched down on her teeth so hard and then this girl's like she was like oh my god this is my orthodontist talking about me and then Michael B. Jordan responded like uh I, I think I owe you a retainer and like I think he paid for her replacement retainer. That's kind of funny. Like, I feel I'm responsible for this, so I'm a little worried that her first instinct upon becoming aroused was to bite down as hard as possible. <laughs> Yikes. Yeah. So much that she could snap metal. You know what? Don't judge. Yeah. Don't no, me. I'm judging. I'm don't hardcore send judging. Send her to a shame spiral. Okay, Joe, follow that. What do you have for us, Joe? <laughs> well, you're so welcome. my next one. Um, everyone in this room. Um, has something to do with it. I know at least probably Anthony's the only one I know for sure I would have known otherwise. Um, <laughs> and this one actually, although I first saw it in high school, really the experience didn't happen until college. Um, it was shortly after uh, I did hair at in college. I was stage managing it and we did it hair at a good Catholic university. Um, <laughs> what fun. kind of schooling have you received in your Sarah, life, Joe? Is, awesome. You know what? Awesome schooling. Tonight has explained so much about Joe. Awesome schooling. Um, and so, and it was shortly after that, and I think, you know, I think hair kind of broke the shell that I was in, but then going and seeing the Rocky Horror Picture Show. Oh, uh, of course. Oh, nice. Broke that wide, because... I I mean, it just, I don't know. It just did something and just what was out there. And I had no desire ever to be on stage. I had no desire <laughs> ever to talk into a microphone or any of that sort of stuff. And then just getting up there, getting on stage, uh, I may have met my wife there. You know, um, <laughs> everyone here, I may have. May have, yes. Yeah. I don't know. There was drinking, you know. It, I had just turned 21, and there's lots of drinking at Rocky. But, um... Yeah, and I think some of my best friends I've met there, and most of you I would not have known. Mm -hmm. And I mean, I did 12 years of my life doing that and getting up on stage and 
making a fool of myself and I'm sorry no way you will always be my favorite Janet I'm sorry to your wife but you will always be my favorite Janet award winning Janet (laughs) by the way and thank you Um, during RockyCon 35 which was held at wait for it the standard in downtown LA Oh my god, I came for full circle. I never noticed that. Uh-huh. <laughs> you were a woman who jiggled your own belly. Hey, so if anyone's wondering how to win a pageant, be a fat man in a dress, do the truffle shuffle. Uh, and heels. Weren't you wearing yep, heels? And heels. heels. Of course heels. he was. Yeah. Oh yeah, rocking four inch heels. Um, but yeah, no, that was that was that was an experience and then uh, but yeah, I I think that was just something that changed my life and Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of great times, some not so great times, but it was great. Yeah. Is it fair to say that Rocky is the reason we are all together? Not, no, not, no. Not the three of us. I, I know all three of you through something other than Rocky. Yeah, that, I, that's why I said yeah, Anthony was... Not you, Derwood. Because you, Anthony okay. and I used... Um, before I ever did Rocky, him and I both worked at, at a theater together. Mm-hmm. And then Anthony um, and I met. Sort of. <laughs> we met in yeah, college. Kinda, I think at one point we might have had a shifter. So we we Maybe, worked for the yeah. same company. Yeah. Y'all but, still never been introduced. Though. Yeah, we, we know, but we, we knew each other back yeah. then. Yeah. But I think for our for the collective friendship of the people of this room, most yeah, and, and for also the people who are uh, closest to us, mm-hmm. Rocky is definitely yeah. a, a hub. Oh, for sure. Oh yeah. yeah, for sure. Oh yeah, of course. Um, so my last one, and I know this is probably going to sound a little odd. My last one's a television show. Um, I because I I had antique said road the, show. Yeah, Madonna should be small all, wonder. Yeah, Madonna should have been all encompassing because she influences me on a daily basis. So I didn't, I didn't feel like I had to put her in this because everything she does inspires me. So mm-hmm. my last one. That's my mama. Yeah. Um, <laughs> my last one changed power, the way Shirley I Hempel. looked at television. There was a weekend, my parents were gone, and I was looking for something to watch, and there was a new show coming on on Sunday night, and I was like, eh, it looked weird, I'll watch it. And it was Twin Peaks. Oh. Twin Peaks. Ain't nothing weird about that. Well, yeah. there's lots of weird about that. <laughs> but Easy nothing weird about that. <laughs> Twin Peaks changed the way I looked at television. It, she sat on her head. Yeah. <laughs> it, you know what? It probably would have made the show make more sense in some parts. Maybe? <laughs> um, it was the first time I had watched a show that had engaged me that much and made me think that much. And it was like a it was like a puzzle that I wanted to solve. And it was the first television ah, show. Sucker. Yeah. <laughs> it was the first television show. It was my first appointment television show that I had to watch next week. I, I couldn't miss the next one. It was the first time that I took television seriously, and I wanted to do television. It was the first show that gave me nightmares for years. <laughs> I, would, uh, I would have picked it, but I knew you were going to. Yeah. So I will say, um, going back to my uh, weird-ass education, <laughs> that same freshman year English class, we had to do creative writing, and we would, as we were writing, and the teacher would play music he played music from the Twin Peaks soundtrack okay yeah, see I thought you were going to be creepy. like so we had home economics and we all watched Eraserhead head. <laughs> <laughs> no. I, I used clips from well, Blazing Saddles in my ethics here's class the thing. I was a David Lynch fan before Twin Peaks and I and honestly I didn't realize that he had anything to do with it when I just turned <laughs> it on that day and then when I saw his name I was like oh I like David Lynch this should be fun and <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah fun <laughs> and I was obsessed with the characters, I was obsessed with the character of Audrey. I, wa- I wanted to be mm-hmm. her. Mm-hmm. Everything about her, I wanted How to be. How about it, Sherilyn Fenn? Yeah. yeah. I wanted to be her. Sherilyn Fenn can get it. Yeah. And I'll. you're up. Last one. Okay. Um, well. Small wonder. <laughs> he does love that show. I do love that show. I did love, I that, love show, that show, I should say. I had a huge crush on Tiffany Brissett anyway. You just wanted a woman in a box. I'm not really sure what my deal was. <laughs> but anyway. <laughs> anyway. Um, so to to kind of piggyback on what Durwood uh, had said, uh, it's, it's less emotional for me, but it is along the same lines. Um, when you are a gay kid... Uh, you you live in a straight world, uh, particularly when when I grew up, and you don't see your stories on screen. You have to see straight romances and find a way to insert yourself mentally into that. And and you don't you don't really get anything like that. And um, especially when I when I was growing up, and I think being able to have seen myself represented in a way that normalized it. Uh, would have probably saved me a lot of a lot of problems in my life, but 
Um, the first movie that really had an effect on me was a movie that came out in 1997, and it was called Beautiful Thing. I love that movie. And um, it was because there had been gay people in movies up until that point, but it was always something tragic. It was always something silly or something bad. Or, or, or the silly. sassy gay friend. The sassy gay friend or or something like it wasn't I it wasn't a love story. Mm-hmm. And Beautiful Thing was the first gay love story I had ever seen in a movie. And I was completely swept up in it because you know, you just you just don't see that, or you didn't back then. Uh, you still kind of don't. Well, you still kind of don't, and you know, I had a lot of problems with the movie Love Simon, um, which is another another show for another time. But um, one of the one of the problems I had with it was the lack of realism in it. Yeah, for me. Um, but Beautiful Thing was done in a very realistic way, and. Like I said, it's not, you know, if, I mean, it's been 20 years, obviously, if you've seen the movie, no spoilers, but there's there's no tragic ending. Mm-hmm. There's no, I mean, it's just a simple love story about two boys who fall in love, uh, two teenage guys, and um, and discover themselves. And that was one of those things where I, I like I said, I, I, I didn't even know what to do with myself when I saw it because I was, I'd never seen anything like that. It's such a good movie. And I realized at that point the importance of representation uh you know and 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 things like that because while not as severe as what your experience of being an african american youth in the 80s was you know yeah it it made me aware of the importance of that mm-hmm. and you have a lot of people now that like to roll their eyes and talk about PC and talk about diversity for diversity's sake, like it's just some bandwagon that people are jumping on because they've seen themselves represented their entire lives. Absolutely, they've mm-hmm. had their stories told. Their story is the go-to. Yeah. We are the other. Uh, so f- that was the first time that I had seen a movie where I was not portrayed as the other, mm-hmm. and it was uh, it was profound, and it it made me look at a lot of things differently. So that was uh, that yeah that was my moment. Also, good soundtrack. Great soundtrack. Yeah, that soundtrack is good. All Mamas and the Papas yeah. and Mama Cass. Oh, okay. yeah, nice. that's a good soundtrack. Oh, I remember seeing that movie with you actually. Yeah, yeah, we yeah, went yeah. to the theater and saw that in Florida. It's a beautiful film. If you've never seen it, it really is. A, it I, is. It I is highly what, recommended. I, it, next to Brokeback it. Mountain. Been a while. Next yeah. to Brokeback Mountain, it is widely considered the greatest gay movie of all time. It's. Okay. It really is. It really is a Wait, good movie. Greater than uh, Top Gun. Um, anyway, I'm sorry. That volleyball scene can get it. <laughs> the entire scene? Yes, the entire scene. She just wants that scene on top of her. I will take all 12 feet of film inside of me. <laughs> I'm sorry. Who plays volleyball like that? Derwin, back me up. You always like to do the posing as they... Oh, no, I, I, I seriously play volleyball like that. I'm not even going to lie. Yeah, I will take my shirt off, oil myself up, pose while looking at my watch, and then set That's my spike. favorite part is when he looks at the watch and like, ugh. I can't wait for them to recreate that scene in Top Gun 2. Derwood makes everyone cry. I get laughed at. Oh, stop. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I love that movie. Yes, but instead of Top Gun, a homoerotic movie, watch an actual gay movie. Derwood brought it up. I did. That was, that was me. No, it's fine. Well, good talk, guys. Mm-hmm. Nice job, everyone. Did anybody have any honorable mentions, or did they just stop at their three? Um, I, I'd like to invite the panelist Derwood Murray to go fuck himself for making me feel feelings <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> on our comedy podcast. Sorry, yes. anyone who's crying behind the wheel. Yes, and you're all welcome. What was your honorable mention, Derwood? Did you have one? or? Uh, I just remember uh, one huge big influence on me, and again with comedy, is before there was a Comedy Central uh, there were actually uh, two comedy channels that got introduced uh, to cable TV around the early to mid 90s. Uh, one of them being Ha, the other one being uh, the Comedy Channel. Mm. The Comedy mm. Channel being noteworthy because that's where MST3K started. Yes. Um, ha was great because it showed a whole bunch of reruns of uh, old, obscure uh, sitcoms. One of them was called When Things Were Rotten, which was a uh, it was uh, uh, Robin Hood uh, in sitcom form. Uh, that Mel Brooks had a big hand in. The entire fuck? I'm going to have to look that up. When things were rotten. Uh, even had Bernie Capel in it, who was uh, Doc on the love boat. <laughs> He's a comic <laughs> genius. Look him up. But yeah, uh, so great stuff like that. And so that obscure shit 
uh, was a big, huge influence gotcha. on me and my comedy. And there my were only 13 novels. episodes of it produced in 1975. And wow. I think they may have only shown like uh, seven of them. At Marty most. Feldman directed an episode. Hey. Nice. <laughs> I like that your eyes got really big, Joey. <laughs> Dick Van Patten was on it? Oh, nice. yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, well, Mel, Mel, Mel Brooks was a producer. I was say, on Mel Brooks yeah. was involved in it. Yeah, that, yeah. Um, my my uh, runner up was going to be Paul Abdul. Not not now, Paul Abdul, but when she first came out. Dancer Paul You mean when Abdul. she was with MC Scat Cat? Yes. Okay. Yeah, because she she was not that great of a singer, but she was an actual dancer, and she was a hell of a choreographer, and she was a tap dancer. And to see tap dancing on MTV, and it was the tap dancing that I love to do, that was a huge deal for me. Again, unironically cool. Yeah. And you're saying Paul Abdul wasn't a great singer? She wasn't. No. No, she never was. No. I, the, I had her album, though. Uh, oh, I have all her albums. Joe, I love her music. I, I, rushed, a, I rushed to get them. I have, an, I have an honorable mention. Okay, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Did you seriously? Yeah, I did. Did you just? Yeah, I did. What I did so you, did. What did you just do? Uh, Joe said that he had her album, and then Anthony said he had it, too, and I said, I rushed, rushed to get it. Oh, my God. <sighs> it would have been better if we left it alone. But we, I can't not well, love hurry, you. Hurry I just, up, because we skipped Joe. Okay. That's okay. Everybody forget about Hobo Joe. Um, <laughs> no, well, for me, an honorable mention, uh, I have to say, another TV show uh, on MTV, actually, is called The State. Oh, yes. Um, because I've always loved sketch comedy, but that was that was the first show I'd seen, because I was working in television as an adult when that show premiered. And I remember thinking, boy, I really wish I was working on this show instead. And it made me want to write comedy, because for the first time, it was comedy that was weird. And it was one of those things, like, it was such a niche show, because not everybody was feeling it. It did not last long. I was not it was only a, two seasons. I only like certain things show about it. show was fucking hilarious. I don't yes. care what anybody says. So and I love everyone from I, it to this I day. I just loved the, my, the only thing I really loved was the, well, I want to dip my balls in it. That yeah. was like... <laughs> but that, that gave me permission as a young writer to write weird. Yes. To and do I shit that only I thought was funny. Yeah. Barry and LaVon. I remember years later, you had never seen... Wet Hot American Summer. Correct. Oh, Another and, wrong Joe has and, righted in my so, life. But and a movie I love, and knowing his love of the state, and yep. my love of Wet Hot American Summer, having watching, and I'm like, it's it's always nerve wracking when you're trying to show someone a movie you love, right? And especially when it's like, oh my god, what if they don't like it? So I think I like the whole time I'm just watching them, and, <laughs> and yet you had no problem subjecting us to pirate movie. Oh my god! Hey, you're welcome. I was drunk. All right, give uh, us, and give then us. so I have one. You get kind one. Of, the brief one is Lebowski, but the more important, <laughs> the more important one is base. Is it? There's one. It's, it's stand up and it's one person, but specifically, I had in sixth grade. I had an old cassette tape. Of 70s stand-up of Robin Williams. Uh, I was not allowed to watch R-rated movies, yet it was okay for me to have this cassette Robin Williams and his most cocaine. Coked out. It was Robin Williams' reality. What a concept. I had the whole first side memorized. Like, you know, one of the things, he's like, all right, he's being a Russian guy. I'll do a New York um, impression for you. Hello, shut the fuck up. Like, that was, like, you know, that was in the first, like, two minutes of the... Nice. And I was allowed to... And I tried to, um, in sixth grade camp, I tried to let us do a sketch of it. I was shot down by the teachers. So, and you wonder why I am the way I am today. I learned so much about you tonight, Joe. That's pretty much the whole puzzle. Yep. All right, wrap us up. Okay, well, uh... <laughs> What a what a show, guys. Okay. Um, you know what? I feel closer to everyone right now. Yeah, indeed. I felt close before we started. The, but uh, the room uh, shrinking. Why are you so mean tonight? <laughs> I'm trying to keep it light. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> if you like what you heard here, you can get a dose of our funny every day on Twitter at Pop Culture House, or you can follow me, Anthony Donovan, at Daboy D A B O Y. I'm at Reggie Swing. At Craze Dr. Scott. Or you can email us at thehouseofpopculture at gmail.com. And we want to take this opportunity, as always, to thank all of our patrons uh, on our Patreon page. You guys make this possible. Please Uh, give to our Patreon. If you you like what you heard here, please visit our Patreon page and consider becoming a patron. For as little as $1 a month, you can unlock exclusive content. You can hear, you can see cool stuff. You can get before and after show stuff. Notes from sound engineer Joey, which tonight I'm sure are going to be a humdinger. And, uh, (laughs) 
and special episodes coming up that are just for our patrons. That's right. So you yeah. don't want to miss that. You also get to hear Amy and Derwood arguing for 10 minutes about nothing. Uh, um, it's and, not about which nothing. sometimes is more entertaining than our actual show. Uh, <laughs> and if you didn't like what you hear, trick someone you don't like into becoming a patron. There you go. That's a good <laughs> one. We'll take whoever's money. We want to thank everybody money. at the community building in Hillcrest and sound engineer Joey. Yay! Thank you for listening. We will catch you all next week. Yep. Oh, big ups to what's happening too. That was a great. <laughs>